CPL Fever, your source for news on Canadian soccer and the CPL. Join me, Jack Murray and Andrew Murray, as we break down the news and the excitement surrounding the Canadian Premier League and all of its teams. We have interviews, analysis, predictions, rankings, and more. So get right, pump up the volume, and let's get into some football. Hey guys, and welcome to CPL Fever. It's your host, Jack and Andrew Murray here, and today we are joined by Club de Foot Montreal player, MLS player, Joel Waterman. And I'm super excited to have you on the show because I'm a big fan of yours, and I really want to interview you for a while, so I'm very excited that we were able to make this work. I appreciate it, my man. That was a good intro. You said, hey, you said you got a little twang in there too. Club de Foot Montreal, okay. Okay. Did you practice that at all or what? A little bit. I just wanted to make sure I got it right. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I've actually, like I told Jack, I told you uh, I've kind of seen your show and um, love what you guys are doing. Love your energy. Love your vibe. Love how you guys love football as much as I do. And uh, I'm excited to, to chat to you guys. Yeah, I love doing this and like getting to meet people like you who are so passionate about football and just having an awesome conversation and getting to know more about you. Oh, absolutely. I love conversations like this, just to talk to me in life and just whatever you guys want to talk about, fire away and, and we'll get to it. Where are you uh, Where are you right now? Are you in uh, Montreal? We are in Miami right now. We are based out of Miami. So we've been here, uh, ooh, when did we leave? Is it April now? Um, I, I went away with the national team and I met them straight here. So, oh, really? Yeah. So we've been here for about two, three weeks already. Uh, we're here till the 29th of May, uh, basically until our, our international break, and then we'll kind of see what can open up in Montreal if we can go back, or yep. they'll make the decision if, if we have to stay, which it looks like we're going to have to stay, but we're just going to be playing out of uh, Inter-Miami Stadium, so it's it's not too bad to be kind of by the beach and in hot <laughs> weather, so uh, personally for me, I'm not complaining, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been all right. It's been good. That's good. Cool. Yeah. That sounds uh, That sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been yeah. all right. We're, we're training well. It's uh, having some fun too, which is good. Excellent. Yeah, so the training's been good? It's been very good. Yeah, yeah. We started off well too. Obviously, we got that, that win against Toronto in our first game, and then we just tied Nashville, which is another good team. So training's been good. We've been lively. Um, obviously, as you guys probably know, a lot of new faces this year, different team, mm-hmm. different manager, obviously. I'll probably get to that. But uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we started off well. Uh, we're doing we're doing all right and trying to keep that momentum going. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm very excited to see um, you guys play because uh, like with the new faces, I'm very excited to see how you guys like work out in the gelling and like what the competition will be like in the rest of the MLS. Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, for us, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure not a lot of the the player pundit guys thought we were going to do very well this season and and with all the new faces and just different different style altogether but um we're we're feeling confident we believe in ourselves so it's it's basically what we think we've been training well and we're in good form so like i said we just got to keep it going right yeah for sure okay and my first question for you is how did you fall in love with soccer yeah so i i've been playing since i was five um my parents got me out there as soon as i can i was an energetic kid always bouncing off the walls and, and it was kind of an outlet for my parents not to have to deal with me as much right so they put me in soccer they put me in a bunch of different sports I was always running and 
started when I was five and my mom was actually my first soccer coach too, which is cool. And my dad and my mom both play, my sister and brother both played. So we are definitely an avid soccer family. We were at the park every Saturday morning, um, basically a couple times a week too, growing up. And, um, and that's where I kind of fell in love with it. Uh, my parents, like I said, both played. I was always at the pitch watching them play. I was always on the side kicking my own ball and just fell in love with it there. And, and, I just kept playing and playing and playing and playing and fell in love with it more and more each day. And that's how I kind of got into it. And my parents always used to tell me stories about how they would win, you know, different national titles. And, you know, my dad wishing he went to university and had that, those kind of opportunities when he was growing up. And so I think it's, it's definitely been my dream since that young of an age. I, I wanted to do this for a living and now that I'm actually doing it, it's, it's, it's crazy to even think that, you know, I'm doing this for a living. And, um, but that's just, you know, what I've always wanted. The kid inside me is still still loving every second of it, and, and that's kind of kind of how I fell in love with it. When did you um, when did you settle into into soccer as like the main sport? Because basically, you said you did other sports before. Like, was there a time where you were like, like when did you start getting serious about it? Yeah, I would say when I was thirteen, I started getting serious about soccer. Um, that's when I made the BC provincial team. So I kind of knew I was one of the best kids in in BC at least, and I was also part of the national training center. So. Then I, I had to pick. So my parents kind of told me I played ball, hockey, basketball, volleyball, all those different types of things in school. And my parents are like, hey, we can't, we only have two parents here to take you to eat sport. And we got my brother <laughs> and my sister and we can't keep doing this. You got to choose one. And for me, it was a no brainer. It was, it was soccer all the way. And um, like I said, 13 was probably like, okay, like I'm, I'm one of the best kids in BC. Let's kind of see where this thing goes. And it was never really you know, pre-planned or I didn't have a big goal in mind saying, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Honestly, I just kept playing and playing and kept getting better and uh, moved to different clubs. Uh, had to just based on, you know, obviously you might know a little bit of my history of, of Alderwood Soccer not being the biggest club. It's a small town. Uh, had to move to Langley and then to Surrey and then, you know, obviously going to university and all that other stuff that we'll talk about later, but um, had to make some changes because, I was also getting really good and those clubs were beginning to become too small. So I had to make those hard decisions of moving clubs and playing with higher levels and different friends and, and things of that nature. But, um, 13 was when I really started to say, okay, maybe this, this is something I can do for, for life. Wow. Okay. And, and what did that, what did it, I mean, did you have to move or you just c- kind of had your parents drive further to the, to the larger area? nearby? Yeah. So they had to take me further. So it was first Langley, which wasn't too bad. It was 15, 20 minutes every night. Uh, but then in U15, I went to Surrey. So that was 40, 45 minutes, you know. And then we were playing uh, HPL at the time, or BCSPL is what they called it. I think it's still around. But basically, they made a brand new um, – Metro was the highest then, and then they made the BCSPL. So basically, I had to play at the highest level I could possibly for, in my opinion, the best club at the time, which was Surrey United winning – you know, two national titles in U16 and U18. So wow. for me, I had to I had to make that decision. And for my parents too, we were driving, you know, three, four times a week. And then obviously games would be in all sorts of places on the weekend. So it was a big commitment from them too. But but they were up for it. And and uh, yeah, so I had to make those, those tough decisions and we had to drive even further. But I think they knew in the back of their minds, okay, like he loves it. Let's keep doing this. But there's also something there that we'll play with. And Hopefully he, he can keep developing at this club and and have success and I did and then I just kept moving on 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 and and you know they were they were with me every step of the way. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it really like paid off. Because because sometimes yeah. I I know for soccer players like 
it, like I'm an entrepreneur, so it's it's kind of I would assume it's 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 similar in the sense that you build you build you build into this. You're not really sure if it's going to work, and you need to put in so much work before you can kind of get some of the benefits. So there's there's kind of like a leap of faith there. Would you? Absolutely. I think that's with anything people are chasing, right? For yeah. us, it was definitely a leap of faith. It was like I said, you could see the way I was developing. Um, but again, you know, there's so many footballers out there trying to become professional footballers, and it's like, okay, what's that one percent? What's going to make me get to that one percent of okay, like this is actually going to happen? And that's that's exactly like you said. There's there's fear to it too, because I think it's more fear for my parents, to be honest, and the people that are my village around me saying, okay, like you really want to do this? Like it's not really every day you hear a kid go, yeah, I want to be a professional footballer. Like it's just you don't hear that that often because it's so you know rare, but. For me, I never, never change focus. Um, but yeah, the fear definitely plays a part in it. And you're never really sure if it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. And I went to school and I really didn't take the route of, you know, going to a D1 school or, or things of that nature. And, and my journey just took a little bit longer, I would say, and a bit bit more unique, obviously, with the CPL came around when it did as well. And we'll get to that. But, um, but yeah, there's always that fear aspect, especially – you know, I think it's it's that switch of, okay, growing up, my parents were always thinking, okay, go to school, get a job, work. It was more traditional, whereas people are choosing to do whatever they want now, especially with social media. And I want to be a YouTube influencer. It's like if you said that 20 years ago, your parents probably would have smacked you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Mindset altogether, right? Um, yeah. But I, I love it. I think there's so many ways now to – one, make a living for yourself, and there's so many interests that people have that whatever you're passionate about, chase after it and kind of just see you and let the chips fall where they may. And that's kind of what I was doing. I just had fun with it. I loved it. Um, and, you know, lucky for me and a lot of other breaks that had to go my way too. Um, lucky for me, it kind of worked out. Yeah, yeah that is, I, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, you're a great player. If there were no lucky breaks, and you wouldn't be where – you are today and we're so happy to like see you as a player and and you keep developing like and you were the first CPL player that went to the MLS and that must have been a big jump so what was that jump like yeah it was a it was a big jump especially um with COVID happening I don't think anyone really expected that and looking at looking back at it I'm like how did I even survive a first year where a brand new league brand new team uh a different pace, um, a different kind of professionalism. Um, five months out of the year, you're not training, and it's like, okay, this is how my first MLS season goes. You don't know how long it's going to go on for, and uh, that's five months of, of football I missed too, of, of improving and adapting and getting better, and then you have to try to adjust to the speed when you come back, and it was almost, perfect, to be honest, for me personally, it was almost impossible to to get that traction going again after all that time off, and um, but yeah, the, 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 the differences are, are minuscule, I would say, because the CPL is on such a good level too. But again, it was just adapting to the pace and just bigger, more physical players. Um, like I said, the speed, the decision-making, uh, I think there's a lot of things I got away with more in the CPL in terms of my decision-making, in terms of my positioning, um, that you can't get away with in the MLS or, you know, you get scored on. So it was just knowing those little things and, and, but like I said, five months, you miss that, those things. And, you know, it's, it's hard to come back from those things. And especially, you know, other guys in the team felt it too, but 
that was a hand I was dealt and obviously now it's a lot better because we're, we're training week in, week out. Um, every day I'm getting better, learning something new and, and that's what I kind of missed out on last year too, especially with, you know, fans in the stands too and, you know, 20,000 people per game and those are the things I dreamt about as a kid, right? Like right. playing in front of that many people and, and people shouting at you on away games and all that stuff that, that footballers love and that's a, a part of the game. Um, you miss that and especially now with no fans it still you know sucks but yeah it was uh, the transition was definitely not easy it took me a while to get going in my first couple months of preseason too um, but I'm, I'm grateful for those times too because it helped me learn so many things about myself and, and how I need to carry myself in those types of situations and I also got to focus on a lot of other cool stuff outside the pitch that I was interested in so um, I think for me, it's all about perspective and you can always gain something, gain some sort of knowledge from, from anything you go through in life. So that was kind of the, the approach I took to it. Yeah. In every situation in life, there are like little things that you can take away from it because even failure, um, you can, you can learn from that like a lot, like failure is one of the best things that you can learn from. Absolutely. It's one of the, our best teachers. Um, it's I think life would be boring if we didn't fail, to be honest. Um, if it was everything was always good all the time, uh, we wouldn't we would stay the same. And for me, it's it's from what I've seen myself, you know, from the CPL to especially now, just in a two year span of where I'm at, it's it's crazy to see, you know, the person I've become on the pitch but off it as well, and and uh, you know how many times I've failed and and. Um, it's just it's just about yeah what you do with that failure it's inevitable it's going to happen but um there's always a reason behind it so how did you get um how did you get contacted about uh going to Montreal Impact at the time um because you just actually signed with with Cavalry for another year right so how how did you find about the, out about that and and what did they what did they say yeah it was an interesting story it was uh when we played the Montreal Impact in the Canadian Championship last year in the summer, I was injured. So I had a broken toe for about, I was out for a couple months, six, seven weeks. Um, so I didn't actually even get to play against them, which was, which was the funny part. So I thought, you know, when the rumors came about, it was just, oh, it was just rumors, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember uh, Mauro Biello at the time, he wasn't the manager of the Impact, but he came to one of our training sessions and I remember him saying to me before I got injured, saying, "Oh, you, like you're having a pretty good season, hey?" And and I said, "I would I would like to think so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was playing well at the time, performing well, and that's the only thing he said to me. And obviously, I knew he had connections with Montreal, and I didn't think anything of it. And then uh, basically, in my off season, I figured out a deal with with Cavalry to be back for another year, and I was happy about that. And and then I see these rumors start to pop up on social media and there's people DMing me and messaging me saying, are you going to Montreal? Are you going to Montreal? And to be honest, the day I found out, I think I was, I, I was taking a nap and I woke up to these messages and emails and I said, what, what's, what's going on here, right? So I went on, on social media and saw all this stuff and um, I didn't really think anything of it. Like I said, we were in our off season and um, people were on vacation and, and, and then it died down for a couple of weeks. I said, Oh, it was just rumors. And, um, Tommy Wielding got back from his vacation and, and gave me a call and said, Hey, have you seen some stuff happening on social media and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, is there any validity to it? And he basically said, yeah, they they, they've shown interest in you. And 
um, they want to sign you. And this was probably late December, early January. Um, I was still just training in my off season back in, in Vancouver. And he, uh, he said, let me, let me figure it out. Let me talk to them and, and we see what we can kind of make up a deal here. And it was basically done in two or three days. And he said, yeah, they put in an offer for you. Would you obviously like to go? And I said, I love the cavalry and I wanted to be back, especially the way we ended. Um, but this was a no brainer for me in the next step of my career and playing at the highest level. And, and I said, yes, for sure. A hundred percent. I want to go. And I, at the, at the time I didn't have my, an agent either. Um, I was kind of doing things on my own, handling deals on my own and, and Tommy kind of helped me in that perspective. So, um, it was a, a done deal in, in two or three days and, and I was shipped off to, to Montreal basically four days later. And I had four days to wow. wrap up my stuff wow. and there for preseason because we started. I found out I was going for sure on the 6th of January, I think, of 2020. And then I was gone by the 14th. So I had to pack up all my stuff, say my, say my goodbyes. And and I was uh, signed two years in Montreal. So it was it – was, I didn't I, – I wanted it to happen. I don't know if it was that quick because, like I said, I wanted to be back in Calgary. I loved it there. I loved my time there. Um, but I wasn't, you know, necessarily surprised because I knew I had a really good season and that's where I wanted to be and I wanted to play at the higher level. And, um, yeah, it was it was a long time coming for me, especially just wanting that so bad and, and um, it kind of coming out of the blue um, and then it happening so fast and I was kind of there and, and I was ready to go. So it was uh, – yeah, it was a, it was an amazing day, amazing news. Yeah, well, that's an amazing story. <laughs> yeah, that and was was uh, Mauro Biello. Was he was he the coach at, at that time? Because well, I'm just I'm I'm just kind of confused about the timeline because I know you were there when Terry Henry was there, and now he's gone. Yeah, so sorry, Mauro Biello was he was at our training session uh, in the summer at, in Calgary. So we were when we were training, he stopped by because I think he was looking at. Um, some sort of maybe it was uh, some of our guys for the national team for that camp coming in January. So he was that was the 2019 season. So that would have been 2019 in June, July. Um, so that's when he told me, "Oh, like you're having a good season." I knew he had connections. He actually wasn't the manager then. I think it was Remy Gard at that time. Morrow was done. So he told me that, and then basically, I kept playing my season for July, August, September. October, November, with the season ending in November when we when we lost to Forge yeah. in the final. And then that December, I found out about the rumors and, and all that stuff. And then January of 2020, I was in Montreal. Yeah, cool. and um, you mentioned the, the multi-year deal. And so Mo- Montreal Impact, as, as they were when um, you had just signed with them, must have been really impressed. So what do you think was the biggest quality that they really liked in your game? Um, I think, uh, for me personally at the time, I would have to guess just my ball playing ability in the back. Um, and now I know that for sure, obviously with, with, uh, Thierry being our manager, um, you saw the way we wanted to play and he loves his modern day center backs in terms of playing out the back. He wanted us to play basically everyone on the pitch where it made sense. So that was, I think, for sure, especially me being a midfielder my whole life and only moving to center back in, in 2018 with Tommy at Foothills. Um, I, I already had that that mindset of, of 
passing the ball and breaking lines and and doing those types of different things. So I think they saw that and said, okay, we can adapt him and make him I more of a defensive-minded player as well. Because I think at the time with Calvary, you saw, yes, playing out the back. But in terms of my defensive responsibilities, I've never had to worry about that before when I was a defensive midfielder because I always had four guys behind me to, to bail me out, right? So mm-hmm. now it's changing that mindset, and that's something I've had to learn you know, over this past year and a half is, okay, you're actually the last man back now. So you have to watch kind of where you're playing out the back and where it's smart. And it kind of goes back to what I was alluding to before in terms of my decision-making and making sure I don't cough up the ball in bad positions where we could get scored on that I could do before when I was a CDM, right? So mm-hmm. I think for sure my ball-playing ability, just my vision on the field, um, that was that was their, my, my top quality that I believe that they saw in me and, and still see in me. Um, so the other stuff will, will come. Yeah, because that's, mm-hmm. that's actually really interesting. Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say that, um, yeah, you mentioned ball-moving center backs, and uh, they are very, like, uh, vogue, and there aren't a lot of, um, of those in, like, the modern game. So why do you think that is, and do you think you develop that quality mainly from, a, from being a CDM uh, before being a center back? Yeah, to answer your first question, I think it's just the way football is, is going. I think it's just you see now goalkeepers being just as good as, as guys on the field with their feet, and that's just the way it's it, the trajectory of football is going, right? You have that extra man in the goalkeeper being and playing up the back, playing off goal kicks. You rarely see goal kicks now being punted up the pitch unless it's you know the 90th minute or a different setting, right? Guys want to play up the back, and now managers are looking for guys that – that can play out the back and especially center backs as they start your attack, right? So if your center backs can't play out the back, there's no way you can get into your, your playmaking midfielders or your strikers to score goals. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's just the, the trajectory of what football is moving to. Um, and I, I personally love it. If it's my style, um, you know, gone are the days of the center backs just staying in the 18 yard box and, and heading, you know, balls away and, and not playing with their feet. Obviously you still have to have that in your game, but I think moving forward and especially going forward in the game, you need center backs that can play out the back. And, and to answer your second question, absolutely, I think my, my years of being a CDM helped me 100%. Um, it, it allowed me to have that calmness coming out of the back, um, to see things differently maybe that other center backs wouldn't see because center backs that have been playing there since a very young age maybe haven't worked on that side of the game because they haven't had to. And, and like I said, football is changing, so... It's just, uh, yeah, it's almost a blessing in disguise knowing that, okay, and, and Tommy moved me back because he saw my playing ability. And now if I can add those other things in terms of my positioning and, and defending and 1v1 defending and things of that nature, then then uh, things will be interesting going forward. Well, I just wanted to say, like, you know, what's what's striking about that for me is is you only moved back in, in 2018. And um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, like you, you weren't, you weren't. So, so what did what did Tommy do in order to develop you to be such an elite center back that you know a couple of years later now you're 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 in the MLS and you've only been playing center back for a relatively short period of time. Yeah, it's uh... like like how did you pick up on that so fast? Like like all the nuances and of of yeah. that particular position. To be honest, I'm still I'm still picking it up. Uh, I think it's I really had to work on my mindset in terms of being a defender. 
that's the one thing that I really had to work on in terms of watching uh, players like uh, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Sergio Ramos, uh, John Stones. John Stones is, mo- is my favorite center back uh, <laughs> based on his playing ability. Um, but I had to watch those guys to really say, okay, like being a center back is a totally different mindset in terms of you're putting your body in the line. You have to block shots. You have to um, win tackles. You have to be smart. You're, it's, it's, it's all about positioning. And, and I learned a lot, tons of that with the national team as well. But what Tommy did for me is he, he looked at my, my stature in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six one now. Um, my playing ability is, is really good at this point can even get better um but he looked at the virtues i had and, and said you know what Let, let's see let's just see and and he put me back there i think we had an injury with foothills and and he put me back there and then i basically started almost every game in the season and and i've never kind of looked back um but to answer your question for me it was just the mindset and, and making sure i did my homework on the side um there's little things that he taught me in training too and obviously, guys, when I was at Calvary, with the guys like, you know, Mason Trafford, um, mm-hmm. veteran guys like that, that, you know, would help me on the defensive side too. But a lot of it was, was on my own and just getting that mindset of, okay, you're a defender now, you know, like don't, don't be running up, trying to <laughs> attack. And those are things that was the most challenging and still is the most challenging because, especially in university, I basically had leeway to just do kind of whatever I felt was right in the game. Um, Mike gave me, basically just said go do your thing and and you know make the things work and um but now i don't necessarily have that freedom but you know i just got to make sure that i'm there positionally is is the biggest thing and and there's little things of it's called splitting the spine that tommy showed me and just making sure you're on the right side of the ball and just little nuances like that that's all about defending for me and and the things that i've learned from from guys that i've watched yeah um Mindset is super important because more than half of the game is played in um, your mind and the decision and no matter how skilled you are, if your decision making isn't good, you're you're not going to be like a good player. That's something that um, my coaches here in Nova Scotia taught me. You're you you can be even if you have great skills, it doesn't mean you're a great player. You have to if you want to be a great player, you have to have like decent skills, but having like good decision making. Yeah, the soccer IQ, right? And mm-hmm. for me, I really had to keep that and work on that, especially growing up, because I had a growth spurt that was late. I didn't get, I wasn't tall until my grade 11, grade 12 year. So I had to make sure, like you, like you alluded to, the skills, and then obviously the soccer IQ, how to play the game. And you can see that in guys, right? You can see, all right, even though this guy might be smaller or not have be the best skill, like he knows the game, right? And, and coaches want to work with guys like that because you can develop those other things, right? But it's very, very hard to develop a soccer IQ and knowing the game and where the ball's supposed to go next and where you're supposed to be positioned and different things like that. So I love that you said that because it's it's I think a lot of times coaches pick on athletic ability and and people's stature and, and talent, which is yes, you have to have talent, but it's also the soccer IQ and, and knowing how to play the game as well. Yeah, so, so, so let's talk about soccer IQ. Um, you said your parents played soccer. I don't know what level that they, they played at, but did you watch soccer when you were growing up? Yeah, all the time. Like I said, Saturdays were soccer day in our family. Um, it would be, we'd get up every single morning. It would be basically instead of cartoons, I would be watching soccer, right? And that was my day. To, they used to show the EPL games on Saturday morning soccer. And 
Um, I watch that and then kind of go to my game, come back. There's still a game on an afternoon game. I watch that too. So Saturdays were, were our soccer day in our family. And we basically made that day kind of our day to all be together and watch it and, and, uh, things of that nature. But, um, yeah, I definitely watched tons of stuff growing up. Still do. Um, not as much honestly as when I was younger. Um, just based on how busy I am and and things that, and they don't show as much games anymore on TV, but, um, but yeah, I, I watched basically every Saturday. That was kind of our thing. And did parents, did your parents use that as like a a kind of learning opportunity where they're like, you know, watch, watch that player or did you see what what happened there? Later on for sure. I think when I started to get 13, 14, 15, um, my dad would always, I'd hear him watching games in the living room. He called me in and be like, what do you think of this? And he just asked me and, uh, I would help. I would just watch it, and that's honestly a lot of how I learned different things of the game. Watching other players, I I I, I can't stress this enough for you know young footballers coming up, and it might not even seem like it's doing anything, but you remember, oh, I remember what this guy did in this game, or uh, you know, you can see, especially when you're watching the game too, you can see where the ball is supposed to go next, and you can mm-hmm. say, oh, but on the field, it's a lot harder because it's 100 miles an hour, and there's guys moving everywhere and all sorts, so knowing where the open spaces are and you can see it and then adding it to your own game it's it's it, it was invaluable for me so it wasn't ever pushed on me uh, my parents never forced it on me um, it was always me the first one in the basically in the living room getting ready and um, but I loved just watching and learning and obviously I watch it for the enjoyment too because I think that's most of the thing but uh, for sure there were times where I would watch and, and take things of different players and add it to my game now at this level, like, are you doing the same thing with, with like MLS? Like, are you preparing for, you know, a team against, you know, Atlanta United, for example, and then you're kind of watching some of their, their, their strikers or their attackers and how they, how they build up attacks so that you're, you're prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we get video of, of guys strikers every single weekend, basically whoever we're playing. So we get to see who we're going to be up against, whether he's left footed, right footed. Okay. Uh, loves to push the ball wide, loves to cross, things of that sort. So it's now I wouldn't say I do as much um, watching games to to learn in terms of watching professional players um, play. Um, but we do do a lot of video with our team, and you watch a lot more of yourself now because basically you're a professional footballer, you're playing week in, week out, and now it's okay, how can I dissect my game and say, okay, I should have done this there, I should have done this there. I'm I'm not a massive massive video person now i think it's it's hard to it's good to see little nuances or maybe big things but it's i think it's easier now to go back to video and say okay you should have done this this and this but in the game it's a completely different story so i'm a bit hit and miss with it sometimes i don't want to do it at all sometimes i do want to do it but you know i go back and forth but i think it is very useful and um, on game day, do you do any like? Do you have any uh, like? Do you do any visualization, or do you have like a game day routine? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's really routine because now we've been on the road so much, right? So I'm yeah. used to being in my the comfort of my own city or home. Used to be home, um, you know, I'll do my little nap and have my pregame. But now it's so much harder because you're basically on someone else's schedule, right? You kind of have to do this, this, and this. You can't really go for the walk around your neighborhood or you can't do different types of things that you would need to get ready. But I have little things where it's like, if I, if I feel tired and I want to nap, I'll nap for about 30, 45 minutes. 
um, depending on how I feel that day, depending on the game. Now we're playing, you know, at 3 p.m., so it's hard to get a nap in. You have to nap at, you know, 11 or 12. So, um, but, yeah, I visualize a little bit. I visualize myself doing, you know, proper things in the game, hitting the ball out, making good passes. Um, and once I'm at the game, I have my little field ritual and in the locker room just to get myself in the zone and different things like that's nature. But it's not a it's not a massive thing where I have to do it mm-hmm. every single day. I'm not a very uh, – I don't really believe in um, superstitions that much. Um, but I like my little routine and kind of getting myself ready and making – my brain aware okay it's it's game day today get your legs going things of that nature but nothing too serious okay um and do you find that there is like a favorite do you have a quote that you live by or a quote that you really like um that helps you get prepared for a game or just in general Oof, that's a good question i would say the most supernatural thing we can do is be consistent that's that's been one that i've had since probably before university um because i think it's all about consistency i think you look at anyone that's good at anything whether not even football just in life um people love consistent people i think if you know that person's going to bring it every single day and know in our case that person's going to play well every weekend or that person's going to train very well every single day people love consistency it's just you know our nature and yes there's gonna be those days where you might not have it you might not feel like it or you might have a bad game but if you can be in the upper echelon of saying okay if if your best game and your worst game if you can keep minimizing that space in between each one and like even if you have a bad game and people don't really notice you're doing something right right so i think it's just having that consistency and just like i said it goes back to the routine like I just I have and and making sure that everything's consistent with what I do and um but yeah I would say that's one of my favorite quotes that I try to live by and and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm here right if you can keep putting in consistent performances week in week out week in week out people mm-hmm. start to notice and say okay we can rely on that guy and and you know that's how you get contracts <laughs> <laughs> I like that I like that quote a lot I haven't heard that one yeah, before yeah me too yeah yeah I love it so you led um, CPL defenders with successful passes per 90 minutes. And, um, you know, you had a 90% completion ratio of passes in the opposition third in, in the CPL. How does your passing get so good? Is it knowing what you want to do before the ball, making that decision before? Is it your ability to read the game? You know, we talked a little bit about soccer IQ. Is it just you know, your technical ability, like that you practice your, your weak foot, like again and again and again, what, what would you say? I didn't even know those stats, but thank you for, thank you for reading those out. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think it's been instilled in me, uh, since probably, like I said, U13, I think my dad was a massive, massive part in that, um, making sure that no matter what happened, the the basics were good. Mm-hmm. I think if, if, you know, I love guys, I love guys that can, you know, dribble, step overs, all those kind of, I want those guys on my team to create magic, mm-hmm. but that was never me. And my dad made sure that I was good at the basics, making sure I can make a 10 yard pass, making sure, okay, once you go to 10 yards, can you go to 15, 15, 20, right. And making sure that you don't just do it until you get it right. Once you got to keep getting it right over and over and over. And, 
for me, it was been instilled in me just passing in general. Um, it was funny when I was younger, five, six, seven, um, after I would get my, my couple goals, my parents would be like, Hey, you can't score. And now you got to pass like the rest of the game. Right. So it was almost instilled in me that even now you look at chances that may have passed up university or whatever, I would not take the shot to give it the salt. Like sometimes it's a detriment, but I think overall it helped me kind of know the importance of how technically sound you have to be. Um, and that was just, like I said, always instilled with me in a young age. And I just kept, kept doing it and made sure, okay, like my passing was good when I was growing up. Um, but now I think it's on that next level and starting to get to the next level. I still want to add a range pass 40, 50 yards. Those are all different things I think about, but, um, but I think if you can nail the basics, um, it goes down to all those different things, technique. Um, I did all those things growing up to little drills here and there that to work on my technique and, shooting at a target or passing to a target or going to the field with my dad. And yes, all those things are important, but I think it's just repetition. I think the more times you, you repeat an action, it's just going to be instilled. And now with both feet, I made sure I did it with both feet. Um, mm-hmm. Just repeating that action over and over and over, it starts to become instilled in your brain and you kind of just start to do it naturally. So for me, it's, 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 it's that. Yes, there's technique that plays a big part in it, um, but it's been instilled in me from a young age. Mm-hmm. So also like muscle memory, just doing it over and over again. So you have the muscle memory. So even if you're under pressure, you can still hit the like accurate, accurate pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Muscle memory it is. That's exactly what it is. Do you like playing in a, in a back three or a back four? What's your, what's your favorite formation? Um, I like both. I think there's a need for both depending on who we play against and obviously depending on what the manager wants. But um, I like how in a back three you can be a bit more aggressive because you have that cover in behind. So if say if I step or the other left center back steps, it almost becomes a back four with our with our wing backs coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, with a back four, you're more a stay at home. You don't drop as much, but you more stay at home. You can't be too aggressive um, because it's hard for guys to slide across. But I think I like both. Um, I mean, I love in a back three that when you do it properly and it depends on the formation of the the opposition that you have that space in front of you to play because like you said stats i love going to the other team's half and making things happen because that's what i miss about being a cdm and being Mm -hmm. a part of the play and you'll see me on video i'll sometimes just get caught up in the attack and i'll want to run in the box and be in there too and forget about my defensive responsibilities but for me it's it's i love the rush of being in the opposing half and making things happen and getting on the ball and playing in risky areas and playing risky passes. And that's something that I think coaches, it's a high risk, high reward type thing. Um, but I love, I love both formations depending on the opposition. And speaking of playing a back three and a back um, four, uh, what it, how could you explain a bit more about how it's different um, they're playing a back three and a back four and what like advantages you have for each. Yeah. So basically the advantage of a back three, um, I would say is that obviously in possession, um, once the wing backs are high, uh, whatever formation they're playing, um, their wing backs or wingers are going to have to drop on those wing backs once they step high. So if you have possession then you have all that space in the attacking half to take your touch and you have more time in the ball, um, which I love. Um, back four and also 
on the defensive side, you have a back five, right? So there's more bodies there. It's easier to defend. Sometimes it is harder because you kind of get lost in whose guy it actually is because there's so many bodies. But like I said, you can be more aggressive and you can step up and know that you have coverage in the back. Um, and then with a back four, back four is just more uh, obviously traditional. You know where your, your right back is. Um, you're going to have some options on the ball right back, form a diamond. So what we're trying to do right now is form different diamonds as, you know, so say if I was a right side of center back with the right back with the number 10 or striker coming across as the point of the diamond and then one of the sixes on the side of the diamond. So you, you see that in video and you actually see it working and you're like, you know, this is a cool way to play. And especially with our guys like to get on the ball. Um, and then with the back four, it's also an advantage knowing, like I said, once you shift, you see basically in plain sight what guy you have to cover. You know which guy is yours once you slide. So that's another advantage, and I think there's there's obviously disadvantages and advantages to both formations, um, but it's whatever suits your team. And for us right now, a back five is or a back three is is suiting our team perfectly. Cool. So yeah. you mentioned um, ball moving center backs being in, in vogue in in the modern game. We talked a little bit about that. Um, would you say that that versatility is also becoming more important in the modern game? Um, you're a player that's, that's, you know, obviously versatile, you know, that can, that can just go into a position and play, um, and just step in and, and, you know, take care of the situation. Yeah. Um, this is one I've struggled with as a player going up a little bit too. And especially moving back to center back and hearing people say, oh, he's very versatile. He could play here, here, and here. It was difficult for me at first because I said, okay, I want to be a specialized – I want to be specialized in one position and I want to be good enough in that position, right? So it was kind of a hit to my ego at first, I would say, Uh, even though they meant it nicely. um, But I think now I look at it as an advantage 100%. I think you – if you can play more positions on the pitch, um, coaches love guys like that because, like you said, you you can be put in different positions. I can still play – a CDM now if I wanted I'm not as good because you get so transitioned and adapted to now I'm a center back I never have to check my shoulder or see if anyone's behind me now when I move into CDM I'm gonna have to have my head on a swivel I'm like <laughs> doing that anymore right yeah uh, but if I have to I'll, I'll step in and and I'll probably hold my own but um I look at it now as a as a complete advantage too especially if you can play on the I can play on the left side too as a left side of center back using my left foot I can play on the right side, obviously, um, but I look at it as a huge advantage because I think coaches like to take chances more on guys like that because, okay, even if he's not suited for this position, he can still play here if I need him to. Um, and coaches just love versatile players and, and making sure that they have those types of guys on their team too because I think, especially in deep, maybe deep playoff runs, deep seasons, later on in the season, injuries happen. Mm-hmm. We use these guys for, for different positions and we won't lose a beat. Yeah, I think that being versatile is a great advantage because um, Daddy actually taught me how to use my left foot at an early age. So because they're on my team, there are a lot of like right foot players. I'm usually put on the left because um, yeah. I'm a winger, so I'm usually put on the left wing and I can cut in. But if I'm on the right, I can cross. So I find that there's advantages yeah. on being both um, on being either flank because you can do either things, um, and the versatility is a really is a really good thing to have absolutely couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) yeah 
And cool. um, I wanted to ask you something about Terry Henry. So what is one thing that you have learned from him? Because he is, he is a fantastic player, fantastic coach. He's not um, with you guys anymore. But what was one thing that you learned from him? Um, I would say the mindset of being a footballer, for sure. He was um, demanding. He had high standards. He wanted the best out of you. Um, he definitely tried to get the best out of you in different ways. It was different for each player. Um, but for him, it was, you know, he told us when you're on the bus or when you're at the hotel or he wants it 99% of the time talking about football. Yes, there's other things in life um, that obviously guys talk about. Um, but with him, he wanted to make sure that, that the mindset was there and that, and it made sense just looking what he's done in his career completely made sense in knowing how different his mindset was and and making sure that football was the number one priority and, and instilling that in our team as well. Um, so definitely just the mindset of being an overall professional, um, going back to the soccer IQ, going back to how you channel yourself in the media, all those types of different things, just the mindset of being a footballer. He was in the upper echelon of, of that and you can see, you know, that in his career, right? One of just voted one of the best players in the Premier League, right? So it's to be coached by that and to to get a little bit of a taste of what that mentality was like. Um, it was great for not only our team but obviously for me personally too. I bet it's it was awesome to have like such an amazing like player have like instill that like amazing like. Um, mindset because he was a great player so he has, must have had like amazing mindset and it must have been really cool having him as your coach because he would have like tried to instill that mindset throughout the whole team yeah and like you said before I forget the percentage of what you said but it's it's the mindset is is almost all of it if your mindset's there um, everything that you've practiced and going back to the muscle memory and all the stuff you practice on the pitch once that mentality is there all that other stuff is going to follow right and it just makes you it brings you to that next level um, of, of, of football, in my opinion. So um, we still got a long ways to go in terms of, you know, my mentality and, and, and things of that sort and how I kind of want to navigate through my professional career. But um, I can definitely say his mindset definitely helped towards that. So speaking of mindset, um, I was reading somewhere that you made you, you made your debut um, in the CONCACAF League. You came into uh, to a game in the 17th minute because of an injury. Um, and that performance drew, drew uh, some plaudits from the pundits. And then also in your MLS debut, you earned an assist in your season opening win. So your ability to kind of step into these ultra competitive situations and excel. Um, speak on that for a little bit. Yeah, I think it's, uh, that was a crazy experience, especially um, I knew the, going back to the Champions League game, I knew that week I was the only center back that traveled. So I knew if anything were to happen, then my name would most likely get called. So I had to come that week of preparing, um, making sure that I was ready for that moment if it did come. Um, but that was, people have asked me about this, you know, in the last year of what that experience was like. It was almost, I just explained it, it was almost all a blur because. It was so loud. There's 20,000 screaming fans. Uh, I couldn't even, I didn't even hear my manager call me. That's how loud it was from the bench in terms right. of ready and getting warmed up. 
Um, and basically, all I remember him saying was just ease yourself into the game. That's it. So I ran on. He said, just ease yourself into the game. And, and that definitely calmed me down in some sense. Um, but it's, I think it was also just something instilled. I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality. Um, but I love big moments and big games. And the bigger the crowd, the more I love it. Um, so for me, going to that game, yes, there were nerves. But there was also a massive amount of excitement. And I knew... I knew already how to almost trip my mind into calming myself down, my body down, just going back to the basics of what I did that week, but also my entire life, thinking about, okay, like do the things that got you to this point already. And for me, that's what I was just trying to focus on. And I think when people are put in those positions, they fall back to the training and the things they've done in the past. And for me, it was just, it was exactly that. Um, so yeah, I think just going back from what I remember, uh, I just tried to defend well. Uh, we obviously knew we were in a hostile environment, playing against a really good team, trying to come away with a result. And um, But I think it's just something in my personality or my DNA or the experiences I've had um, in my career so far. Obviously, nothing like that with 20,000 screaming Spanish fans. <laughs> um, but it was also, I just kind of looked around and I kind of just enjoyed it, right? Because this is what, as a kid, I dreamed about playing in front of that many people and in big moments and big games. And I think if you ask any footballer, those are the moments that they live for. So yeah, for me, it was just, yeah, just trying to stay in the moment as much as I can, calming myself down. And then we'll kind of deal with it after of, of, of what kind of happened. So we came with it, away with it with a result. And then obviously the New England game, same thing. Um, we we're at Olympic Stadium, massive attendance. Um, just going back to, to what I do best and and what got me there and the assist was just kind of a cherry on top of the uh, on top of the cake and um anything to kind of help my team win nice that's awesome so what about the uh the national team um you got you got called up to the uh, national team squad i mean how what 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 is that like and especially because you said that that you developed a little bit later on um, because we've interviewed some players that have played on the on the national team at like younger player younger ages and then they and then they kind of don't make the the later team but you seem to be peaking at, at just the right time what is what is that like uh, uh training with 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 those guys well i guess you know sammy piet right sammy yeah piet. yeah so i met a lot of guys obviously and uh and obviously i i i've heard of guys growing up too um I heard of this, some a lot of the guys in Ontario and 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 things of that nature. So you hear these names, and um, for me it was yeah, like you said, being a late bloomer. I actually in my room uh, in the la- probably the last two three years, I had twenty twenty six written on. Uh, I have a little board that I used to bring with me everywhere, and I had twenty twenty six getting ready, and I wanted to be ready for the twenty twenty six World Cup. And now seeing that I could be ready for the twenty 20- 2022 one uh it's a it's a dream come true for me i think at any time you could represent your your country is is the biggest honor and and it was a different excitement a different feeling from when i signed in the mls because i think it's it's your country right it's with guys that Mm -hmm. know the system know the country um we're all wearing that maple leaf and it's it's like i said i just tried to enjoy every second of it and i knew january was a time for me to show what I'm capable of for the first time. And, and then I got my invite back for the World Cup qualifying 
back in uh, March. Um, so I want to just keep getting called back. And for me, just seeing the progress and all the work that went into that, like you said, from a young age that um, I wasn't looked at and I didn't take the, the you know, route that people you normally take. Um, it was nice to see that, that they give people like me a chance and hopefully I can be um, a picture of, of young footballers to say, okay, you don't have to go to a D1 school. You don't have to be a part of the provincial team growing up all your years. You don't have to, you know, be the man when you're 17, 18. You can develop those things later and to see the fruits of my labor finally come to fruition and, and pay off. It's It's really nice to see. And like I said, I just want to be getting called back and be a part of such an exciting time for Canada, especially with all the talent that we do have. I want to be a part of that going into the, the World Cup qualifying and hope we can qualify for World Cup next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah like the World Cup is one of the biggest tournaments in the world. And it would be so cool if like Canada was playing in it and especially if you were playing in it too because like, uh, like um, I've seen you play um, on Cavalry, on much on on Club Deep with Montreal, um, and it'd be so cool to see you like playing with that maple leaf on your chest and like being there and just playing against some of the best teams in like the world. <laughs> like you yeah. could put into like um, a group with like Spain or like a team like that. You're getting me excited now. <laughs> like that's exactly what it is, and those are like whether footballers want to admit those are things that we think about too, right? And we want to be there. And I haven't thought about the teams in our group that far yet, but we have to make it. Um, but just having the opportunity to be a part of it and just to think about all the stuff it took to get here in terms of, like I said, you know, taking those 45 minutes of training every night, you know, my parents committing, uh, my friends committing to it, uh, backing me and saying, yeah, yeah, go for it. You know, we got things here. You're going to be fine. Just keep enjoying it. And you look at how many people have been a part of your journey and how you got there and going through the PDL and going through the system and, and all that kind of stuff paying off. It's, it's exciting. It's crazy to see, um, kind of where I came from, um, doing what I'm doing, but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's why I wanted to play. And, and now that, you know, I have a chance to keep representing my country. Um, I hope I get keep getting called back and we can kind of do something special. And and yeah, that's awesome. And and now I notice that you're giving back because you're involved with kids sport, right? I am involved with kids sport. Yeah, so I uh, I got involved with kids sport last year. Uh, in my time off, in the five months that we weren't training, uh, the stuff I could yeah. kind of focus on off the pitch, I started to think about and. Think about the impact of, of what I can do now, especially with the platform I have now. And uh, kids sport uh, came into mind when my mom actually told me I was a recipient of kids sport when I was younger. So they gave us money to stay in sport and to stay in soccer. And and without their generosity, who knows what would have happened, right? So for me, it was hearing that I just wanted to be involved, and I gave them a call and said, if there's anything that you guys want me to do, I can help out in any way possible. And they said, let's let's do this. Let's make you an ambassador. I said, absolutely. And obviously with me being on the road times and I actually can't be in my own community, um, I wanted to help people, especially in my hometown of Aldergrove, but also in BC in general uh, with young mm -hmm. footballers there and um, focusing on more of the football, but, you know, other sports as well um, because, you know, my thing is just inspiring 
not only footballers, but young hockey players, basketball players, whatever. If you want to be a, a doctor, if you want to be, if you want to do Bitcoin, you know what I mean? It's, it's totally up to you of what you kind of want to do. But um, for me, it was really important to, to get back, especially during the off season when I was home. I got to help in my own community, which is really cool to see. And um, I think they had 80, 89 kids for fall. And then we did our own little thing with kids sport and kids sport helped mm-hmm. out. We put on an event and, I was there coaching and just having tons of fun because I want to be a potential coach when I'm done my career. Um, and then I think they had, you know, over 200 kids for the spring. So it just grew and seeing wow. that and seeing kids love it and come back. Um, and it's kids in your own community, a club that I played for. Um, it was really special to see. So I want to keep doing those types of things and continuing to do. I already have some stuff planned for for the off season and when I come back to, to Vancouver in the off season. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's using my platform to kind of just, um, you know, I, I don't really necessarily see it as a role model type situation. I just think I love it and I want to share that with people. And if, if the kids love it too, we can all kind of benefit from it. And, and, uh, you know, if they want to use my story as a, some hope or a way to look for, um, you know, something different in their lives, whatever they're struggling through, that's amazing. Um, but for me, I just, it's been instilled with me from a young age, from my parents too, just always giving back. And I think it's kind of our, our duty to kind of give back in, in, in certain ways. I think we all have a, an audience that would, would listen to kind of what we say and, um, that we can help. So I think it's kind of our, our duty to kind of do so. Yeah. It must be an amazing feeling to get to be like a coach and be a coach and, a, and, a, and, a, and, an ambassador for a club that you played for when you were growing up and, and like helping young kids develop and just getting to play like an awesome sport. Yeah. It's crazy to see, like, I don't want to go too deep, but like, it's like you see kids and you're like, wow, that was me when I was five or six years old. And like, wow, I would have loved the pro to come hang out with us and just show me some stuff. And just, those are, those are kind of priceless moments that I think, um, kids love and and you know parents were out and and it becomes a a a bigger thing than you ever imagined and we also got to raise some money so now some kids will get some money from kids sports so yeah there's there's lots of uh cool stories that you hear about especially in your own backyard i think if you look close enough i think there's a group of people that that sometimes need a little extra push and and especially in my own hometown not being you know the richest community out there you see kids coming out and they can afford to play soccer and it's an outlet for them. And, and that's kind of what it was for me growing up too. So uh, to be able to give that back is, is, is special to me. That's awesome. Um, now we, we usually ask players, you know, if they, if they follow like a special diet, do you follow a special diet or anything? Um, no, no, I don't. I just, you know, we eat carbs, protein, uh, yeah. probably all you can guess. Uh, I love to snack. I love my snacks too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of carbs, a lot of protein, a lot of veggies, definitely during the week from Monday to basically to Saturday, it's, it's pretty structured. Um, and then Sundays are usually day off. So you can kind of, you know, get a little extra snack in there, some ice cream, whatever yeah. you have <laughs> But, uh, we try, I try and keep it you know, as, as natural and neutral as I can. Um, but you know, we're like everyone else. We need that little outlet once in a while, but no, no strict, uh, nothing like a paleo or keto or whatever. I'm just, uh, yeah, it's more carbs, protein, 
getting all that good stuff in, checking in with our nutritionist to see if this is okay, this is okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how I kind of do things. Okay, cool. And then, um, and then I saw on, on that Instagram, uh, you were, uh, talking about Manatech. Um, so yeah, tell me, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, my aunt actually works for Manatech. So she got me involved with it last year during my time off. And I was really looking to see, okay, what, what are some good supplements out there? Um, and not only supplements, there's, I got some skincare, I got, uh, lotions, I got different stuff like that. Um, all natural, amazing ingredients. Uh, but they also have that aspect of philanthropy too. That uh, for every hundred dollars that you buy from Manatech, it goes towards a family. Um, it, it makes a thing called Phyto Blend, so the Phyto Blend gets sent from the states to um, countries with um, that that can afford food, that can afford their own meals. Um, it's a very nutrient dense uh, powder that you can add to kind of anything they have, and it gives you the vital nutrients. Um, but I'm involved with that. I'm an ambassador for that. I love promoting, promoting their products. Um, cause for me, it was really important, especially as a professional footballer to find stuff that's clean. Um, mm. and that's not prohibited on any, any of the lists and that you can actually trust, um, and all this stuff from immune system support to recovery to hydration, you name it, they have something for it. So it was important for me and, and obviously to have that, that philanthropy aspect to it too, just made it even, even better for me. So, uh, yeah, Manatech is a huge part of my daily life. Mm -hmm. I take vitamin, uh, vitamins every single day, um, use their skincare products, use different types of things of that nature. So they've been, uh, it's kind of helped me take that next step and, and, and making sure that I'm, I'm healthy. Um, you know, I'm, I have a bit of a, a cold right now, but I think it's just from my AC in my room, but <laughs> I haven't been sick in, in, you know, a long time. So, um, yeah, just trying to keep good. myself, uh, healthy and mm -hmm. it's about longevity for me right is however long i can stay in the game for um i'll do you know any extra details to stay and, and play as long as i can and speaking of staying in the game for a long time uh do you do yoga i'm not a huge yoga fan i'll be honest uh it's hard for me and I think <laughs> footballers in general because we're not the uh most flexible uh guys out there uh, I mean, for our team, uh, but, um, no, I love stretching. I, I stretch every single day. Um, I love stretching yoga. I mean, we'll do it every once in a while on our recovery days. Um, and it's, like I said, it's really good for guys. If they want to get into routine for it. Uh, for me, I've never really gotten into it like that. Um, but I would, you know, I would recommend it, I think just for the stretching aspect, And, and if that's something that calms you down or, relaxes you and things of that nature for sure i have other ways i do that but yoga has never really been my my thing yeah yeah that's um, cool that's cool yeah i know what you mean by like um yoga sometimes being hard uh because i play soccer over 15 hours a week um between my academy and my club yeah uh so i'm not the most flexible either but our academy has us do like a yoga thing so i do enjoy it but it is but some of the poses are hard <laughs> It's hard, and it's 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 hard to get out of the positions. Hard No, it's. Uh, I I would say if I did it on a more um, everyday basis, I think I would enjoy it more. Um, it would become easier. Uh, but for me, I'll stick to kind of my stretching, the other types of things I do to to kind of stay loose and 
in that. So, yeah, that's cool. Well, they must have some uh, some pretty high tech recovery tools in in like over there. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, this thing called Norm Attack. They're basically boots that you put on um, that kind of squeeze your legs and right. it's, it's like a massage or uh, things of that nature. We have obviously our our ther- therapy team. Um, always on site helping us out um, different stuff we take um, so yeah we're we're in good hands for sure all right and um, you're one of the few players that we've interviewed that has a FIFA card and uh, albeit you know FIFA's uh, FIFA rankings are a little arbitrary um, you know especially players coming from from a new league but have you seen your FIFA card and, and if so where do you think FIFA uh, did you wrong Oh, they, every every single one. <laughs> I think I'm all 57, 58. Yeah. yeah. Everything. No, it's conditioning. Yeah. I think I'm like a 23 or 22 shooting or something like that. Yeah. Well, you saw that. You saw that that shot that you did at um, at uh, where was that? What grounds was that for I cavalry? Think the cavalry grounds. The football tennis goal. The, everyone keeps oh, talking about football tough. tennis. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, sorry. No, uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I play FIFA sometimes with, with some of my boys back home. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge, I don't have an ultimate team or anything of that sort, but, um, yeah, when I saw my FIFA card, it was kind of, it was kind of cool knowing just how we, we play FIFA growing up, right? Like that's basically yeah. the only thing I played. I'm sure you guys have played too. And just seeing yourself in the game and, it's kind of crazy, right? And uh, but yeah, when I saw that, I said, I said, I gotta get that up soon. <laughs> I gotta call FIFA. I gotta know somebody at FIFA to change that number because uh, I think my like strength is my biggest uh, attribute or something like that. And, yeah. and that was never it, especially during university. Um, I was a skinny kid, you know. I was I I didn't really like contact as much, but I guess now you're a center back, you're gonna have to have that part of your game, right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool to be kind of in the game, and I haven't used myself yet. But I've I've had friends that have put me in their ultimate team and kind of send me a video, which has been kind of cool. So okay, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is, it is what it is. I mean, uh, it's kind of cool to see. But uh, I'll probably use myself one day, maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see. Well, speaking about that goal, um, were you like the the. Uh the winner at a table tennis over at cavalry i mean that was just yeah we never really played a lot of soccer tennis to be honest it was more of a instinct thing where uh yeah i just tried to put it in a good area um i'm gonna say i tried to score you know um i won't say anything different but uh i just yeah i tried to put it back post and then going over over their keeper and and in the back of the net. So it was one of the, the finer goals I scored in my career. And it was a good time. Because actually that day was family day. And my parents actually flew in for the weekend. So they got to see. My oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. So it, was, it was cool to see. And I, I remember pointing at them in the stands. And they were how excited they were. And how much they enjoyed the day. And it was, uh, yeah, it was fun for fun for everyone. It was a good goal. Yeah. And just, um, I was just wondering, what part of the foot did you hit that with? Was it like the laces, um, was, and like straight on or instep? Inside, yeah, I think it was my instep, if I remember okay. correctly. It was a long time ago, but I think, I think it was my instep. 
think it came down. I think Jules hit it off the corner and went around back post. Got to give credit to, to Martin Nash for the, the set pieces. He put me back post, so I just waited there and kind of judged the fight of the ball. And like I said, tried to put it in a good area and ended up going to the back of the net. So it was uh, – and then, you know, if people want to say I meant to do it, or if I didn't mean to do it, hey, I'll leave it up to, to the fans to decide. But <laughs> I, uh, That's the best way. Me, I meant to do it, so – it's uh no it was a it was a good goal good day and and uh i'll remember that goal probably for the rest of my life nice that's awesome to hear yeah all right we've probably gone uh overtime do you do you, you want to do uh rapid fire real quick jack uh yeah let's do it um do you play uh uh do you play fifa um well you just said you played fifa a little bit but uh what's your favorite team to use when you do play fifa psg you need speed okay. Speed and FIFA, guys that choose the tactical teams, it's you're not gonna you're not gonna do the best. You know, you need the counterattack speed. You need the Neymar, the Mbappe's on both sides. That's it. Yeah. Yes, use my team. Yeah, you need fast players on the flanks, and I use tech, more technical players um, in the middle. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, Xbox or PS4? I have an Xbox. Okay. Uh, a lot of my friends from back home. I would say that PS4 is, in my opinion, better. I've played both. Uh, but the Xbox was one cheaper, and all my friends have it back home. So basically, I like to play with them. So I just got an Xbox. I think it was it was actually last year when the pandemic hit. I said, I need something to do. When, uh, <laughs> when it's over and, and I'm doing all my work, then I need, uh, I need something to kind of enjoy. So I got that last year. Cool. Okay. Uh, do dance. Yeah, I love to dance. Yes, yes. I mean, if I'm good or not, I'll leave that up to other people. But <laughs> I love to dance. People that know me uh, in the locker room a bit. Uh, I was actually out last night for for some dinner, and um, music was playing, and I kind of knew every song, and I was kind of doing my own thing. And and some of my teammates were laughing about that. But uh, but yeah, on a you know a night out or whatever too, I'll, I'll dance a little bit too. So it's it's fun. Nice. Um, and what's your favorite word? word uh, uh i would say joy i, I like that i think Just... in anything especially football um my my dad said this from when i was five six years old he's like the day you stop having fun you can quit and i said done and i have i haven't stopped loving it which is good but I think for me, it's all about the joy on, on the pitch. If you if you don't love it, if you're not having fun, I don't think there's any point in doing it. Um, and then also just the the state you're in off the pitch and in life. I think you just have to have that that state of just joy and just enjoying, you know, what life has to throw at you and and all the things of that nature. So I would say joy. Yeah, I love the word joy, and it has such a beautiful meaning. Yeah. Uh, and do you have a spirit animal? And if so, how did you connect with it? Well, I haven't even looked into a spirit animal. Uh, I wouldn't even get. I didn't even have any guesses of what mine would be. Either, to be honest. Uh, I mean, a spirit animal is usually um, sometimes a way of knowing what it is. Is you have a natural attraction to it. Okay. My, mine's a wolf. Ooh, I like that one. Uh, ooh, I love. I love the whole. You know, ferocious angle, lions, tigers, wolves, bears. Bears are 
crazy to me the most powerful animals on earth uh i don't know if i'm like that per se i just like that those animals um but yeah no that's a good question i'll think about that and i'll get back to you on that one <laughs> yeah I, I remember someone saying to me um that you somehow sometimes people have four spirit animals one that guards this um east west south and north mm. um yeah so that's interesting right. uh and um what's your hidden talent hidden talent um i don't think i have one i i I don't know how to juggle i don't know how to uh no i don't i don't think i have any hidden talents my man i I gotta think about that one but i don't think i have any hidden talents maybe it's dancing i wish i yeah maybe. yeah let's just go with dancing let's go with dancing um uh, who do you support as a soccer team, and did, was there a favorite team that you liked to watch when you grew up watching soccer? Uh, growing up, it was basically anyone that was on, uh, but I'm a Liverpool fan. So Liverpool came kind of when I was growing up. Stevie G was my favorite player growing up, um, so my love for Liverpool kind of came from him. Um, but I would watch anything anything growing up for sure, any game, uh, whether it was you know United, Arsenal, Chelsea, whoever was on, I would watch. Um, but Liverpool is definitely my favorite team. Um, and where is your happy place? Um, I would say either the pitch for sure. Um, that's when I can kind of just release and just be whatever, think whatever, um, express myself it's an it's kind of an outlet for kind of like musicians when they write music you know what i mean it's kind of like that feeling of okay like even this morning i was on the way to training thinking about tons of different stuff and when i got to the pitch it was just like a breath of fresh air almost right you gotta get there and it's like okay this is where i'm sort of meant to be um away from the pitch um i used to go to this place called shoe swap lake it's in british columbia it's you know, I don't know, if you guys know where kamloops is mm-hmm um, so it's a lake near there. Uh, I used to go there with my family, uh, my mom's side, tons of cousins, aunts, uncles. We would go there for eight, nine days at a time and, and just hang out by the lake, go golfing. Um, you know, I haven't been in probably three, four years because I'm always playing football now in the summers. So, yeah. uh, but we would sit by the fire, tons of different things like that and, and just bum it for eight, nine days. And that's kind of, I have amazing memories from, from those times. So that's probably another one of my happy places for sure. Yeah. That sounds really nice. Um, and do you have a nickname? I do. It's, uh, just JJ. I got it back when university. So there's two Joels on my team and Mm -hmm. my good friends named Caleb Scott. Uh, he named me JJ Watts at first. And then they got rid of the Watts and basically just kept calling me JJ and it's kind of stuck since till today. And he still calls me it. All my friends back home call me it. Um, it's my Instagram handle now because Joel Waterman was taken at the time when I got Instagram. So um, JJ is my, my nickname. Nice. Um, and what is one superpower you'd like to have? Uh, superpower i was actually just watching avengers last night too so this should be this should be easy probably to read people's minds i think that'd be kind of cool yeah that'd be cool 
but also not because they could be saying something pretty mean and <laughs> you would know what they're saying, right? I was going to say flying, but I mean, I've been in planes too much this year and too much over the last two years. So I don't think I would like to fly anymore. <laughs> but reading people or being invisible, I think that'd be cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, being invisible would be cool. Um, and do you cook? Mm, I do. Uh, not very well. I can cook the, the main things, the chicken, the pastas, the sweet potatoes, fish. Uh, but in terms of using spices and how it's actually supposed to taste, uh, I'm lost, man. I'm lost. I wish I knew, like I tried to learn some stuff over the off season. I was in the kitchen a little bit with my mom, but it's, 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 I got to hand it to cooks. It's a different profession. It's, the people that can make different flavors work and I won't even go into it, but that stuff is, is it's hard. I wish I could very cook very well because I think it'd be a lot easier. But again, we get, you know, our stuff cooked for us a lot of the time during the season, especially when we're on the road like this. So I got to wait till the off season to practice a bit more, I think. Okay. Um, and what's your favorite board game? Uh, Oh, um, oh, what's the one? Catan. Uh, code names. Have you ever played Code Names? Oh yes, and we just got it for Christmas. Santa gave it to me. Yeah. So yeah, we've been playing Code Names a lot, and it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, the one clue game. I love that. I always play that in the off season with with my friends back home. We love that. We I actually played it over Facetime last year during the pandemic a lot too. So that's one of my favorite games. Yeah. Yeah, Code Names is fun. It's a little like uh, charades, I guess, but. I'd say more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely more fun than trades. Uh, and what's your favorite movie? Uh, the Avengers. Okay. Avengers. Anyone in particular? Probably Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Some humor, has some intense parts, some fighting. It's kind of got everything. Uh, I like comedies too. I like a little bit of romance every now and then. My girlfriend makes me watch those those kind of movies. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I like a little bit of everything. No scary, nothing scary. Nothing. Yeah, me neither. I hate scary. I don't get it. People pay, especially when they go to the movie theater. People pay to go scare themselves. Nah. Yes. I know. I've I've thought about that too. Why do people go and scare themselves? Yeah, <laughs> they complain when they can't sleep. It's like, no, you did it yourself. <laughs> no, that's not for me. That's not for me. <laughs> Um, what are your, what are you currently reading? Um, I'm currently reading, uh, uh, it's a book called, uh, Twisted Scripture. Um, it's about basically, I think it's 25 or 30 lies that the Bible tells us. So, um, the reason why I'm, I'm reading that is I became a Christian also in 2018 when I was with Calvary. So, um that's been a whole new journey that we'll probably need another meeting for if you guys ever want to talk about it but um but yeah it was it's it's something that i hold dear to my heart and my faith and it's kind of led me to making a bunch of decisions in my life to where i am now um but uh yeah i'm reading that book it's very interesting yeah cool. that would be very interesting cool um and if you could explore all the oceans go to outer space or visit 50 different countries, uh, which one would you choose and why? 50 countries, easy. Oceans <laughs> scare me. 
being like, nah, I don't do water. Yeah. <laughs> space, oh, it could be cool. But again, like high and not too much stuff around you. You know what I mean? Like it's just you and the galaxy. You know, that freaks me out. And too. Think about how difficult it would be to play soccer in space. Can't even yeah. juggle. Like, trees, forget you it. Play soccer is a universal language. People are going to know what it is. There's going to be fields everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And I, I've traveled enough a lot now where it's I love seeing different cultures and how different people think and how they're growing up and things of that nature. So I want to go to Spain eventually and really enjoy it and really enjoy that culture. That's one of the places I really want to go to. But I'm, Yeah, I'm scared to go to Spain because I know all I'm going to do is want to just eat. <laughs> <laughs> like real, like authentic Italian Pasta to oh it's yeah, yeah Spain that, yeah, that's Spain my is the top of everywhere. my bucket list too. Spain <laughs> yeah. is the top of my bucket list, partly because of soccer. I love I'd love to go see like a soccer game. Um from I love I love watching the big three teams in Spain, so Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um I think they're all really fun to watch and I know like they're all really big rivals, but I enjoy watching them all. So one yeah. of them would be fun to see. Um but yeah, it'd also be fun to like just play soccer, um, like as a universal language. Just go to the field and like play with some kids oh, yeah. there. Yeah, they'd be so good. So good, street footballer. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 if you watch Netflix, what are you currently watching, or what was your favorite thing to watch? Um, I was a Outer Banks fan. Have you seen Outer Banks? No. Hunter Banks is good. Um, okay. A little bit of drama, a little bit of romance, a little bit of, you know, all that good stuff. Um, what else did I watch? A lot, I watched a lot of stuff during the pandemic. I'm sure you guys <laughs> uh, uh, I, I never really got into Tiger King. I was never really into that. Um, but uh, I like the more – I like reality shows. I like – some crime, nothing nothing too scary, but the crime is always always fun to watch and always keep up with the story. I like ones that you can keep up with the story. I watched Ginny and Georgia. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Ginny and Georgia. Mommy good... watched it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she liked it. I mean, it's, again, another girlfriend recommended one, So, but I liked it. I can't lie. I liked it. Um, yeah, no, it was... Uh, I watch a lot of stuff, but more movies, I would say, than TV shows. More movie guy. Yeah. Um, and what is your most used emoji? Probably the crying, laughing emoji. <laughs> okay. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I got some, some funny, funny people in my life that we always, uh, yeah, probably that one for sure. <laughs> There's yeah. always right. some jokes in group chats flying around and... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's nice. a funny that's one. That's good. Um, goals for the future. Oh, you know what? I, I actually, I don't really know if I really believe in, you know, goal setting as much as I did when I was younger. Um, I've come to the place in my life where um, I'm sure you've done something similar to like the smart goals and you would write down like your timeline and, and different things of that sort. But for me, it's, it's, I have more vision, like a vision, I would say. I call it more of a vision rather than a goal. I think um, the results that we always try and chase for are very finite and we always can't control them. 
Um, for example, if I say I want to win an MLS Cup, right? That's a vision of mine and something I would love to do. But it's also there's so many uncontrollables like, you know, in a certain game, a ref could make a call that changes the whole you know what i mean different things Mm -hmm. like that so i'd rather focus more on what i can do and and the process of it and what i can do each and every day rather than a specific goal in the future um that's kind of helped me already um just kind of focusing on myself and what i can do and let let the results take care of themselves um i can't control if you know a manager chooses me for the 11 or i can't control if i get chosen for the national team i don't i don't get to make those decisions so for me, it's just focusing on what I can do daily and going back to my old consistency thing, uh, being mm-hmm. consistent as I can, and, and those things hopefully will come. Um, but now I'm at a point in my career, it's it's I also want to just enjoy it too and just enjoy being a pro- professional footballer and uh, working hard and, and just enjoying, like you said, we spoke about at the beginning, failures of it, uh, everything that comes along with it because this is something I've wanted forever. And... Uh, that's kind of where I'm at now, just trying to enjoy every second of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and what do you think of Club de Foot Montreal's um, new crest? I see that you have the shirt right there. Um, uh, I personally love snow, ice. I love Jack Frost. Um, yeah. So what do you think of the new crest? I like it. Um, it keeps... For me, it keeps getting better and better. Um, hearing what it it represents now, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in Montreal, so it's a bit different if you were to ask someone that grew up in Montreal. The impact was obviously a huge thing for people and a huge part of their lives for so long. Um, so with respects to that, I think it's, I think, especially after a pandemic as well um, and how much our team did change, um, for me personally, I think it was a good time to think about those things and to, and to you know, do a couple changes. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be a whole brand switch, but once they, you know, kind of told us what it all meant and how it represents the city more and the multiculturalism of what Montreal represents, um, it made sense to me. And uh, I'm starting to come around to it. I love our colors. Um, I like the badge. Um, so I think you'll have mixed feelings from obviously our fans too. I'm sure you guys saw some stuff about what kind of was happening with them, but I think people are starting to slowly come around to it. Yeah, and the like rivalry it. with with Toronto. Yeah, that's still intense. Yeah. So um, yeah, I forgot to ask you um, just quickly: was there any player in particular that that helped you settle uh, when you first got to to Montreal? Um. I don't know if I would say settle. I think it was more of uh, everyone was was super welcoming. Awesome. Uh, the coaching staff, the players. Um, I knew uh, Shamit Shone from before. Mm-hmm. Just kind of hearing his name and him being in the Edmonton community and and uh, being a part of the national team. And he knew a lot of the same guys we knew. And I played against Edmonton. And and you just hear these guys' names and and then you kind of meet them personally. And and you actually have way more in common than you would have thought. Um, so he was one guy that we kind of uh, related on a bunch of different things. We we lived in the same building during the pandemic, so we did a lot of stuff together. And um, but there was also other guys too, Clemente up our goalie, uh, Lamar Sajic, uh, a bunch of guys that kind of lived in our building um, that we kind of all started to hang out and and kind of vibe with. So it was uh, it was a, it was a I wouldn't say easy transition, but it was it was a good transition, and they made it a lot easier for sure. 
Good to hear. Yeah. And this is my final rapid fire question for you. So what are three words to define you? Uh, ooh, uh, I would say confident. Uh, uh, humble sometimes. <laughs> uh, I try. That's what I'm working towards for sure. Just humility in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and uh i would say respectful i think for me if i know you we have a good relationship and you're just an overall nice person that respect's going to be given until you basically lose it right um so for me it's just always i don't think Yes, in, in some scenarios, you have to earn your respect. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, I think you, that should be given right up front and then um, give that person the benefit of the doubt. And if they, they keep that respect and that same respect back, then things are good. But if they do something to lose it, then they lose it then, right? So I would say, yeah, respectful, confident, and uh, humble. Yeah, I like those when I see those in you. Mm-hmm. Um so thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated this chat. I know we went a little over, um, but I really enjoyed all this time talking with you. You had some really interesting answers, and I'm sure uh, fans of fans of your club and uh, just fans of soccer alike will love this interview with you. Appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I had fun talking to you guys about, about football and keep doing your guys' thing too, and um, I hope to see you guys maybe – in the future at a game or two, or, I mean, hopefully we can get back to, to some fans of the stadium soon. And, um, whenever you guys want to, you know, come to a game or if we're ever in the same city, let me know. And, and we can kind of sort that out later, but thank you for this. I appreciate it. And, um, all the best to you guys this year. Yeah. yeah thank you so and, much again. Yeah. And same to you. Um, good luck in the rest of the season. And yeah, we'd love to uh, to catch a game in, in Montreal. Hopefully, you guys can can play in front of those fans. Yeah, let's ho- let's hope. Let's hope. I mean, it's maybe at the closer to the end of this year, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, and hopefully, we'll get fans in the stands like sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you yes. so much. And, yeah. Thank uh, you. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, Thanks. you too. Bye. Thanks. Ciao.